Good morning. Today we have Holly Baker talking about dermatosis of pregnancy. Take it away, Holly. Woohoo. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. Um, so, um, just going to start. Um, so, we've divided this into sort of physiological changes that you get in pregnancy, pre existing conditions, and then specific conditions of pregnancy. Um, so, firstly, in terms of the physiological changes, um, increased pigmentation, um, normally beginning in your first trimester fading after delivery. You get darkening of your existing areas, so around the areola um, and in the axilla. And then you also get the appearance of the linear nigra, so the band just um, going down your abdomen, which we've got here in the picture. Um, another thing um, during pregnancy, uh, so 70% of women will develop uh, melasma. Um, it's a sort of darkening of the pigmentation, usually forehead, cheeks, the chin and the upper lip. Um, and then we also can have spider nevi as well. Um, we usually, in sort of medicine, associate that with kind of like liver pathology, but um, it can just be a physiological change in pregnancy. Um, most will appear in early pregnancy and regress after delivery, um, but around 25% of um, the spider nevi will just persist on afterwards. In terms of other physiological changes, 70% um, of women in the third trimester will develop palmar erythema, um, normally fading um, a week after delivery. And then in terms of a postpartum change, we see hair loss or the telogen effervium, <laughs> which is um, the technical term. Um, and that's due to the fact that you have conversion of your hairs from your anagen phase to your telogen phase, which is the growing to resting. So you get a diffuse loss of hair um, following delivery, um, normally recovery within around six months. And then also we, what we see a lot, especially at minimal stria gravidarum, um, it's more common in um, obese women, more common in multiple pregnancies. Um, and these are sort of kind of like stretch marks that you see on the abdomen that become kind of white and atrophic, um, but won't actually disappear completely. Um, and then a couple of other things I haven't mentioned here, you know, you can also get some skin tags developing, especially in the sort of armpit area or sometimes on the neck and also hyperhidrosis, so excessive sweating. Okay, moving on to pre-existing conditions. Um, so the first one I was going to talk about is eczema. Um, so around 20% of women will suffer an exacerbation of eczema during pregnancy. Um, normally they've had a previous history of eczema. Um, remembering that we can treat eczema with steroids in pregnancy, they're not contraindicated. Your typical places are going to be those flexor surfaces, so on the elbows, the backs of the knees, um, and it's kind of an erythematous, itchy, dry rash. Um, um, and then if we compare that to psoriasis, um, so where eczema women can get worse during pregnancy, typically in psoriasis, most women will improve during pregnancy. Um, and that's due to um, a kind of lymphocyte profile shift from your T helper 1 to your T helper 2 in pregnancy. Um, so psoriasis is a T helper 1 driven process, um, so it gets better, whereas eczema is a T helper 2 driven process, so it gets worse. Um, again, with the psoriasis, you know, your typical uh, treatments is your emollients that we know about with dermatology, but um, you can treat it with the UV, A and B as well. 
Um, acne is another skin condition. Um, can improve or worsen. Uh, you can develop it for the first time during pregnancy. Um, acne tends to improve during the early pregnancy, but then worsen later on. Um, and remembering that you can't use your um, tetracyclines um, during pregnancy because they're contraindicated. So just use your erythromycin, um, yeah, erythromycin, um instead. Cool. Oh, and yeah, just a brief mention about acne rosacea. So it's different to acne. It's, it's um, people would have it previously. So it's a chronic uh, rash. You get pure, uh, sorry, uh, erythematous and pustular rash on the face. Um, generally, again, can get worse during pregnancy. Um, you treat it with azelic acid, um, erythromycin or UV, narrowband UV. Cool, so moving on. Um, so first specific condition of pregnancy that I was going to talk about was um, the polymorphic eruption of pregnancy, or we call it POPs, I guess. Let's find on here. Where have I gone? Here we go. So um, thought to be um, elicited by um, the stretching of the skin over the abdomen, which causes basically um, you get an immune response due to connective tissue damage in the skin. Um, it's fairly common, so we see it in around 1 in 200 pregnancies, and I think Dermnet quoted 1 in 160, so it is pretty common. Um, develops in the third trimester, the mean week of um, development is around 34, um, doesn't affect the fetus in any way. Um, commoner in primates, women who have multiple pregnancies, so twin pregnancies. Interestingly, a male fetus is a risk factor for it. Um, and also excessive weight gain, which would be relevant to our population here at Middlemore. Um, it's so distribution, so it's um, around the abdomen, but importantly, it has sparing of your umbilicus, which is important for the next rash that we're gonna talk about. Um, develops along the striae, which sort of fits with that thought about it being um, due to the stretching of the skin over the abdomen. Um, and then it can also spread to sort of the thighs, the buttocks, under the breasts and also the upper arms as well. Um, really um, rapidly resolves after delivery and doesn't um, recur that often. Um, and women just will complain of like this itchy kind of um, urticarial um, papules. Um, they can get little vesicles but they won't develop bullae but it, it doesn't tend to to develop vesicles commonly. And you're mainly treating it symptomatically, so treating it with the menthol cream, hydrocortisone cream, that kind of thing. Occasionally women will need some systemic steroids, but not often. Um, moving on, so the next specific condition in pregnancy that we want to talk about is pemphigoid gestationis. Um, so this is rare, so 1 in 10 to 60,000 births. Um, again, normally it comes on in the third trimester, but you can actually develop it earlier in pregnancy. So it, it can, has been seen from nine weeks um, or documented from nine weeks, and you can also develop it up to a week postpartum. Um, so this is a, an autoimmune process. So basically you have circulating IgG autoantibodies that attack the basement membrane zone protein. And when they attack that protein, it causes kind of inflammation within that area and you get separation from, um, of the epidermis from the dermis. And that basically then fills with fluid and you get development of these blisters. Um, 
so in terms of the distribution importantly this is the rash where you have your it starts in the periambulacral region so your umbilicus is affected so that's the difference between that one and the previous one um and again can spread sort of over the abdomen um and also can spread to the the limbs and the palms and the soles of the feet as well um so you get a very intensely itchy kind of hive like rash with you know you get annular wheels and target lesions and things and then they develop these um blisters and they can after two weeks become quite large intense um so in terms of diagnosis um it's normally a skin biopsy and in that skin biopsy you see um c3 complement deposition there in that basement membrane just from all that back inflammation that's going on there um so this is an autoimmune process, so it's associated with other autoimmune conditions, so like Graves or, you know, thyroid things, um, and like type 1 diabetes. Um, the, the plaques that you develop can kind of persist after sort of several months after delivery as well. Um, recurs with future pregnancies, um, oral contraceptive and menstruation. We treat it with steroids, um, both um, topically and systemically. Um, and then Lana helpfully added, so that in terms of some risks um, to the fetus, so this rash does, does have risks to your fetus, so stillbirth, SGA, preterm birth, and also in around 10%, the baby can have an eruption as well. Um, so those sorts of things we were just uh, thinking about, if someone presents um, to you with this in clinic or in b &A or whatever, they're going to need some closer monitoring of the baby, so with like growth scans, Dopplers and things like that. Um, the last one I was just going to touch on um, is just purigo of pregnancy. Um, it's just a kind of itchy sort of um, non-specific rash that you get during pregnancy. Um, it's got a slight association with um, eczema or atopic dermatitis. Um, you get these papules which are kind of grouped um, largely on your extensor surfaces, often around hair follicles. Um, sometimes you see pustules, but not not loads um it's pretty much a clinical diagnosis um you mainly need to if someone's coming in with this intensely itchy rash you also just need to think about other causes of itch in pregnancy and um, make sure that their liver function is fine so they're not, not developing obstetric cholestasis um and pretty much you're just treating the symptomatic itch so sort of the menthol creams topical steroids um resolves postpartum and doesn't affect the fetus i think that's everything Ta-da! Um, basically used um, Dermnet has a really good summary page of dermatoses in pregnancy um, there is the summary page in the um, textbook as well but I think Dermnet has like some good pictures and stuff so that's helpful for revision but they definitely can ask this they asked it in our yeah. February 2019 exam um, so it's a good one to just be familiar with for those who are studying for part one and I guess as well for part two, like looking at a Zoom format, they're much more likely to show you a picture of something mm -hmm. and ask you to diagnose it and discuss management. So certainly dermatosis of pregnancy have an application to that. So it could come up in part two as well. Um, and I guess from a minimal perspective, if you're not sure, um, don't be afraid to ask. And I think here, because we don't have 24 seven access to germ, Certainly taking a photo with the patient's permission mm -hmm. and then like talking to them, seeing whether they could like have a look at the picture is quite helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Holly. Cool. No worries.